0: Welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it four episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk
1: about it. Yeah, this week we did episodes 9 through 12 of Mr. Sunshine. Did I get those numbers right? Yeah, they didn't sound right, but you nailed it. Okay, dope. I need to just write, this is the 800th week in a row that I say I just need to write it down. But will it happen? <laughs> God, who's to say?
0: <laughs> We've skipped a few weeks of how are you doing? Do you have any, any how are you doings?
1: Yeah, I feel like there's something I started that I really wanted to... Oh, um... Eh, yeah, sure. Okay, so I'm reading a book right now. I haven't read in forever. It's been so long. Um... I need to get back into it. I told myself when the pandemic first started, I was gonna read again. Mm. Um, but I've also said that every year, just like around New Year's, for the past like five years, I used to be very bookish when I was in high school, and then I just right. stopped being bookish when reading books became required, uh, instead of something I did for myself by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so. This is the longest I've stuck with a book in a while. It's called The Terror, and <laughs> The Terror, The Terror. It's called The Terror. God, that of it, course the, you, word the is...
0: first book you pick up in years is called The Terror. <laughs> <laughs> this
1: is where I'm at. Yeah, I'll I'll try this one. This feels right. I actually bought <laughs> it from my dad a couple of years ago because he still reads, um, like a superhero, and. I thought it would be kind of a taste breaker for him. Like, he doesn't really read books like that, but it didn't feel super far off of something he would enjoy either. Um, but he never read it, and it sat next to his reading chair for the past year. And whenever I was at their house, I'd notice it. And so I just decided to pick it up and start reading it for him on his behalf. And <laughs> then telling him about really cool things that happen in it. And that's actually been going really well. Um, Oh, nice! Yeah, but it's about an expedition in the mid-1800s that gets uh, wintered in in the Arctic, but the thaw never comes in the spring and summer, so they've been wintered in the same place for two winters now, and there is something, aside from just, like, the general survival stuff, that they're running out of coal to keep their... Uh, engines heating and they're running out of food and you know, the general survival book stuff, uh-huh. but they're also being hunted by something that's more aggressive and terrifying than a polar bear, but it seems like it might just be almost like a supernatural polar I don't know. I haven't gotten that far yet, so no spoilers <laughs> for me. It's something and it's murdering them. Ooh. Yeah, and so that's really spooky and cool. So it's kind of horror, thriller, survival, historical in a way, because um, it centers a lot around Arctic explorers that were trying to find like a passage through the north. um, mm. And yeah, it's really good. It's really exciting. And I've really been enjoying it.
0: That's so cool.
1: Yeah. have you? What have you been up to? Do you have anything
0: to talk about? I mean if you're reading books, I really want to recommend two books, but
1: you no pressure. Yeah, recommend just... them and then I will pro I do more of your recommends than I do anyone else's probably. So Oh dang. I mean I watched okay. Ted Lasso on your recommendation and it's the best choice I've ever made, so.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Then you have to read a book called Piranesi by Susanna Clark. It's so good. It's so hard to describe. Without, like, spoiling it, because a lot of the book is unraveling what's happening. You're kind of set into this place with this character, and you're supposed to kind of have no idea what's going on, so I don't know how to describe it, but it is beautiful and deep and one of those books that you're like, this is kind of about nothing, but it's so much about what is the point of life and... Happiness and, um, oh my god, I just really liked it. Piranesi. Go check that one out. I am so into that. It's so good. Um, And The Midnight Library is another one that I read this month that was a lot darker than Piranesi. It's almost borderline depressing as a book, but it's also really beautiful and, yeah, again, it's hard to describe it without spoiling it, but I really like those two. Oh, and I really hope you read them.
1: Yes, okay. Um, You might have to message that to me as well, Um, just so that okay. I can find them. Did you, you read them and didn't listen to the audiobook, right? Correct. Okay. I use Overdrive to rent
0: books from the Salt Lake City Public Library. My sister's library card,
1: (laughs) so that's where I read them both. Okay, cool. Um, I know that in the past you got really into audiobooks as well, which I love in theory. And then I always end up just listening to podcasts instead of listening to audiobooks.
0: (laughs) I really love audiobooks. My mom made—I don't want to say a mistake. She bought me. What to Expect When You're Expecting, which was super nice and a book that I've really enjoyed, but she bought it by making an account of her own, and instead of clicking send as a gift, she just bought it. Mm -hmm. So I had to log into her account. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make this the longest story possible. I don't know why. (laughs) So I had to log into her account, log out of my own account. And I've been just trying to get through that before I log back into my own account. Yeah. I'm too lazy to just switch back and forth every day, which I should do. So I haven't listened to my own books, my massive collection of Audible books that I finally canceled my subscription because I had way too many backed up. But I'm trying to get through this one book before I switch back to my account. And it's like 45 hours long. And it's just about, like, child rearing and pregnancy, (laughs) and it's not, like, a fun read that you just love to listen to. Like, I just listened to a chapter yesterday that was about what to do when you start to go into labor and how to deliver a baby at home. And I was like, okay, I'll just, like, panic about that for the next half hour. I'm going to turn this off, and I'm going to panic about that,
1: (laughs) but I'll be ready. (laughs) seems like it would be almost a little bit triggering but also I do know Mm -hmm. what you mean as far as like it's a book that you're not always excited to get back into it like you like the material but you do have to tell yourself like okay now it's time to learn this It's
0: yeah that's totally the vibe so I feel like that's been turning me off of audiobooks no offense to this beautiful wonderful very well put together book and it, especially at first, because I would try and listen to it like a regular audiobook and just let it play. And they have sections for everything. So you start just this big chunk of this vaguely titled chapter. And it would be like, How much is an okay amount to drink during pregnancy? And they'd talk about like alcohol for the next half hour. And I'd be like, I don't drink. I didn't drink before I was pregnant. I don't drink now. And then the next half hour would be about smoking. And those also would really turn me off of like, these things don't apply to me and I already started doing dishes and letting it play. <laughs> so I can't fast forward. Like, this just Hands isn't the wet. way I'm used to listening to audiobooks.
1: Yeah, yeah. But Where you, you if, actually have sections that are skippable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But if you get used to it and you're like, don't do something that's uh, in the... You can't grab the audiobook and start skipping. If you're ready to skip a few sections here and there, it's a very good book. I've definitely gotten more into it. But anyways, haven't been listening to as many audiobooks lately.
1: I just remembered a podcast I started listening to when when I briefly mentioned podcasts. Um... Mm -hmm. that is really interesting i actually got the recommendation from listening to my favorite murder so if y'all listen to that podcast you've probably heard about that or about this but it's um man i promise that like i don't always like listen to and consume horror media but this is another horror (laughs) thing it is among my very top favorite genres i'd say if not my favorite kind of generally favorite genre I do mm. obviously love horror but this one is called uh, Let's Not Meet A True Horror Podcast and it's about people's close encounters with uh, like scary strangers or just like it's that, you know that feeling of dread, I don't know I feel like it's kind of unique we luckily grew up in a pretty safe place and for the most part have been Pretty luckily, safe people, I don't think it's like a magical skill we have to stay <laughs> safe. I think it's just kind of at least in my life. I feel luckily pretty safe most of the time, but even I have like in little like moments where you just don't feel right about a person or mm-hmm. there's something going on that makes a situation dangerous, and it's people's experience with that uh it's one guy that narrates their stories he either gets them off reddit or they submit them to him um but he he narrates these stories of these people's encounters with dangerous situations in real life so it's never like paranormal really there are some that are kind of um i don't know like hard enough to pin down that even the author admits like if you're a superstitious person, I know this sounds, like, ghost-like, but I don't, I, like, I think it was a person, it just, I don't know how, like, this all happened this way or whatever, you know? Um, but those are okay. few and far between, usually. It's like, yeah, the this really terrifying person, like, broke into my house, and this is what I did, and, like, it's almost like a, there are some where you listen to them and you're like, okay, good to know, good to know. Um <laughs> But yeah, it reminds it, it also like reminds me of my own stuff or like I told my dad I was listening to it and he told me his like story of encountering people I- at night on the highway when he was like just taking a break from driving so he didn't fall asleep while driving and then like ew. Yeah, scary stuff like that, you know. Mhm.
0: Ew. What's it called again?
1: Let's not meet. Let's not meet. E.
0: Okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, they were properly tense. We can (laughs) jump into the the podcast episodes. (laughs) (laughs) I will Um, say I watched the three the first three episodes last weekend, so it kind of feels like forever ago since I've seen them. Can I just say though that I have not stopped thinking for one moment about the emperor's coat when he walks in to. Homeboy's house, or whatever, I don't know, his compound. Oh my god, that coat is so beautiful! (laughs) Unbelievable. I cannot stop thinking about it. I, it was, it's like I want one for myself, but I know I would never look that good in it.
1: Right, it's a very unique um it's a uniquely Emperor coat, you know uh-huh. you gotta be the Emperor in the eighteen nineteen hundreds to really carry that coat instead of be carried by it, but yes, damn, it's beautiful, it's so good um uh-huh. I have spent every moment thinking about the uh, time. This is my very first note that I made. Uh, remember when <laughs> they were riding in a little? Uh, I think it was like a rickshaw or some kind of carriage, mm-hmm. and she does the mom seatbelt arm thing when there's a bump <laughs> in the road, like his uh-huh. mother. <laughs> oh, I love the really
0: subtle comedy in this show it's where so it never good. undermines how serious and dramatic the whole show is but they keep it so funny
1: there are so many laugh out loud moments yes actual laugh out loud I love almost every interaction that Eugene has with Domi they are always mm-hmm. hilarious and wholesome Um, that time he tries to scare him <laughs> yeah oh, it killed me it's so funny Domi or the
0: shopkeeps, the two pawn shop owners. Yes, any scene with those two—they're hilarious. So good, they are Why? such
1: better people than I expected them to be.
0: Uh huh. Can we can we say that Hui Sung has had a turnaround?
1: Oh, or is it- that just on me? No, that is a big mood. Um, one of my notes also. Uh, where is it? This is why I can't have notes cuz I don't know how to read them later. Um <laughs> I wasn't ready to like Hui Song or Kyle as much as I do. Both of them.
0: Right? I I think we started the show with Hui Song's introduction being that he's kind of a player. He's not good with money. He's just gambling it all away. He doesn't really care about anything. And so Maybe I just made a lot of assumptions about who he was as a person, or maybe they were trying to build him up as, like, not the greatest person. I'm not sure whose shoulders that lands on. But either way, seeing him get splashed with water and then be like, do not punish that man. It's, mine. it's my burden to bear. It's like, no, we song, I'm supposed to hate you. You are not. And that scene in the trolley. Which, again, an unexpectedly hilarious scene. But by the end, when he starts talking to Aishin, and he's like, You know, if I was your husband, I wouldn't be the douchebag husband that, like, wants you to sit at home and be a perfect flower. As I've kind of insinuated a thousand times, I would be your shield. I would protect you. I would let you do all the things that you've been doing, lead this second life that I know you'd be... You've been leading. Like, do what you want, girl, but also you could be my wife, and that would protect you a lot.
1: He backs that up with the best gift, too, when he makes sure that everyone in town is wearing the same suit that she's wearing when she goes on her missions, so that there's no way anyone could possibly pinpoint that it was her, a woman, when every man in the suit, or in the city, is wearing the same suit, and... And then that's just kind of a taste of the protection he wants to offer her as her husband. And that's a pretty good, like, action speak louder than words moment, too.
0: I, <laughs> this was supposed to be easy. There are too many people in this love circle. And it was supposed to be like, okay, well, Hui Song is just one too many. Like, we just don't care about him. We almost ignore him. And he's like, no, 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 I am a viable contender. Hi. Oh, don't make this harder.
1: Yeah, it's already hard enough watching uh, Dong Mei become a much more likable character as time goes on. In weird ways, because there's still so many parts of him where I just get so angry at the way he's behaving. And then he does <laughs> stuff like uh, he's very affectionate with the hotel owner whose name immediately uh-huh. escaped me when I started talking about her. Uh, <laughs> Hina. Hina, yes. Um, and he's very affectionate with his fortune teller that he keeps safe, and uh-huh. he, even his mannerisms when he's talking to Eugene, and there's a lot of jokes about wanting to kill him, they're almost funny. Like, there's almost, almost, almost a camaraderie about them that makes him so likeable.
0: Eh. We'll get into those three and their bromance in a minute, because I will spiral into nothing. But, <laughs> yeah. It's so hard because Dongmei has definitely become the the one I want to end up with Aishin the least. Where at first I was a sucker for the bad boy and I was like, oh! That would be a and hot relationship. But now I'm like, Mm. I mean she's not into it he's a pretty bad person but also yeah he's just such a complex character and it's hard seeing him become this kind of softer person in situations especially involving Aishin, because you watch the guys behind him and Jason especially was like I'm waiting for those guys to turn on him And that will be a huge heartbreak for me as, like, wanting dong Mei to, like, succeed. Just to see his men be
1: like, "Mm, you're a bit weak now. You're soft. Something, though, that I appreciated was the scene where he kind of saved one of his men from being shot in the head uh, and came out on top of that situation. It kind of, for me, I hope that it it sincerely did kind of re up his his dominance just because it shows how much he cares about his men um even if it it kind of felt like it was mostly his fortune teller that he was protecting in that moment but no one there were no lost lives on his end there was on, on the losing side's end and it was one of the men that was threatening to kill the, what is, it's the, I can't think of, is it the Misan crew that they call them? Do oh, you remember? Oh, Mirang? Uh, is it? No. I don't think that's right. I don't I know, know though. what you mean, though. Yeah, yeah. They they have a name for it. And now it's I can't think of it. It's probably in my notes somewhere. But let's yeah. let but, someone email us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go ahead and let us know what we got wrong just now. Um. But yeah, it's I agree with you though it kind of feels like they're not sure what to make of him becoming a softer person. And so I was grateful at least for a momentary respite from his downward da- ugh, downward spiral. So. Yeah.
0: And I thought it was a great moment because he's protecting his people like the fortune teller and his men, but also he's definitely playing the game still and I think that's what has made him the leader instead of just a member of the gang is that he can balance all these political pulls where these two guys thought they were totally safe because they work for the general whose name I've completely forgotten Um, but they're like we work for the general you can't hurt us and he's like actually I'll kill the the lower of the two of you on the social ladder, and let the let the higher-up guy with the gun in his hand... Like, you think he's gonna kill the guy with the gun in his hand because immediate danger, right? But he's like, no, this is the long game. I'm not gonna kill the general's, like, one of his top men. I'll let you go and convey the message of what part you played in this tonight. Like... Dang, Dongmei, that brain. you got so much going on up there. That's why you're the top dog.
1: I love to see it. It feels so good. It feels feels like a win. Yeah. a, A lot of these episodes kind of felt like a win, and it made me nervous about what's to come usually by this point in the drama. We are more than halfway through, well over halfway through, and there's a lot of losses... Usually around episode 12 that lead into the penultimate or the final episodes, the final four. But we're in a special drama where we just barely finished the halfway point. And there have been so many wins and it makes me so nervous about what we're <laughs> about to lose. And I am scared. Mm
0: hmm. Yeah. We're doing too well. I'm worried for Gunnar Jang. I'm worried yes. for the Potter. I'm worried for the lady who works at the at the boat dock. Yes, I'm worried for
1: Kyle Moore um, because I like him a lot I more am. now.
0: Mikael's <laughs> <laughs> just still laughing at more. <laughs> I just he just wasn't that great at the beginning. I'm sorry. No, he's great now.
1: Yeah, he is. He's awesome. He makes me laugh. I'm I'm worried for him. I'm worried for. Domi. I'm worried for Domi's older sister. I'm worried for uh, the people who have names that I've forgotten their names that are the left and right (laughs) hand of Aishin. Uh, Oh yeah. I'm I'm scared for everyone at this point, truly.
0: Because we know that these main characters are not gonna have a good time in the final four episodes. We don't know what's gonna happen. But it's not gonna be pretty. No, we're going to lose so a lot. so nervous.
1: Yeah, but they're going to yeah, take so they much have from us. To,
0: they have to lose everyone around them first within these next eight episodes.
1: All of the people that, that, that are keeping sucks. them safe. And yeah, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do this. We knew this show was going to hurt us when we started it. I just didn't know that we would be... So many episodes in that they really would form the good long game connections to all of these characters well before they took them away.
0: And they're still slowly spinning so many webs of connection so beautifully. Like every time Hina talks to Eugene, I'm like, this is a conversation. That I feel like, in your head, you're so connected to those two characters that you forget that they don't talk very often. So every time they do, it feels so rewarding to see her tell him, like, Wanik is my father. And he's like, what?! And she's like, yeah, and I'm looking for my mother, and he's like, how can I trust anything? And you're like, you probably should never have trusted anything. I mean, your room's been broken into, like, nine times since you moved into this hotel. Your life is not safe here. But also, you can trust Hina. She's pretty great. And she kind of says that in the most eloquent way. And I love it. I love that dynamic. I just, they do that with everyone.
1: Yes. There's these little nuances to every relationship. Oh, I'm really worried for the interpreter. Right? Oh, man, am I worried for him. Because um, he is just starting to get really involved in proving that he's a pretty smart character that mm. uh, knows what's going on, but play- like in the past has played it close to his vest because he hasn't ever been as close with people that he's worked with before and now he's friends with all of them and so it feels like they're gonna take him away from us and that'll suck um and yeah like all of his little nuanced interactions with eugene that some are business and about how much more he knows about what's going on than we ever anticipated because he used to be kind of a background guy a little bit uh Mm -hmm. And then range all the way to the making jokes with Eugene. And boy, howdy, do I love that.
0: <laughs> boy, howdy, do I love that. Please don't take it away from me. Thank you. Please, we need him. We need him and domain to tease Eugene constantly. What a good dynamic. What a don't good dynamic. kill anyone. What if no one dies? Except maybe all of the. Um... I don't know, counselors to the king? Who are all these dudes that are being paid off by Wan that are just like, we think he should be the public relations officer. Man, did I not pay attention to any of those scenes, as you can maybe tell a little bit.
1: <laughs> but they yeah, just... he got their loyalty by making them afraid. And I'm done with it. I'm so... Ugh.
0: It's not that I'm bored. It just frustrates me so much that I want to exit my
1: skin. It's just a bunch of people being cowards. And that's the hardest part because this whole show is about how people are selling off Korea for profit, essentially. And all of the political stuff that's going on in the background as that happens. And the one romantic thing. I don't know there's a lot of romantic things happening in the background, also um <laughs> and it's just hard to watch people high up in the government have no backbone would you
0: get like you said, they're dying left and right, like they are cowards for a reason they have been properly instilled with that fear, but at the same time, you're watching all of these people try so hard to fight for the independence of Joseon and to be be given all these scenes of the most powerful people in the country trying really hard to not do anything to protect it
1: is like, yeah just so frustrating Guess we'll see how that plays out Um, can I just say that episode 10 is deep in the show to finally understand why it's called Mr. Sunshine. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's
0: deep in the show, but it's also, it's also a little bit like, I don't super get it. It's just a little, little tidbit of, like, fun.
1: Yeah, where she's just saying English words, and then she picks her favorite one and applies it to him, which is so cute, but also i just don't get it i guess that it, it i guess he's mr sunshine now and so's the yeah. show
0: i think for as deep as everything else in the show was it was surprisingly
1: like no we just kind of picked a word oh we just picked it okay. we liked it it seemed nice she likes it she mm-hmm. likes the word so it's him yeah it's not it's not bad since we're on the topic of their relationship a little bit, I just kind of want to go through a couple of the scenes that they had together in the in these four episodes, because one of the first that I definitely wrote a note down on that I did not want to forget to talk about is how it just seems like the most tragic idea to have a conversation you know is going to lead to a breakup on ice. <laughs> On a frozen river. Like, what? No. That's going to be agonizing. Walking away from that situation.
0: Your little penguin walk? Yes.
1: Just, I can't imagine (laughs) being in that situation. I've already, like, I've been in a car having a hard conversation that I felt like I needed to exit. But, like... The car was driving, and you still had to. I still had to be like, okay, well, I can't have this conversation anymore. Can you drive me back to my car? But then you still have minutes of like sitting quietly in that car. It feels like it would be so much worse to watch each other walk away on ice,
0: especially knowing you've got to go the same direction. Because I feel like Eugene's like, you got to shuffle away for the next thirty or so minutes. I don't know how long it took them to get out there, but uh I'll let you shuffle away and I'll just wait. So it's not awkward. It is awkward, bud. I'll walk to go get some, some
1: bowls, I guess. You go that way, I'll go this way. Um and I'll 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 walk <laughs> on the ice to get there, you know? Normal stuff. So that we don't Normal have to walk style. the same way.
0: <laughs> Stop being weird, you guys. Just, I don't know, have this conversation somewhere less beautifully, beautifully stunning. Like, chill out.
1: Yeah. Um, I also thought it was interesting, uh, like, pretty much how these four episodes, they were not together. And then I do, I'm curious if you can explain, was it finding the picture of her parents or of her dad or whatever? That made him want to stay? Was that what cued him to stay? I can't say for sure. Because, I don't know. I wasn't
0: clear on that storyline very much. On how much he was getting from that picture. If he actually figured out that it was her dad. And that he was also a resistance fighter. Not clear at all on any of that. My impression was just that he spent a few days without her. And they both decided that they missed each other. Simple.
1: Yeah, I think that's always a hard storyline for me when there's like a very decided breakup for very good reasons. The reasons were good. Um, Mm -hmm. In fact, the little speech that he gave her afterwards, after they kind of went back into that back alley to have a real talk instead of an ice talk, and they he gives a small really beautiful speech and gives her his gloves and I remember thinking in that moment those reasons for wanting to walk away make a lot of sense and if someone broke up with me in that mature way just kind of in a I don't know I can't even remember exactly what he said but it was kind of acknowledging I don't know the status difference and a a couple other things and how Uh, he's in her past now and that she needs to keep moving forward and that's just fine and that seemed so beautiful and so good and so I struggle with the storylines that have them break up for a really good reason and then have them get back together for just because they missed each other I don't know Mm. it's hard because I get it I get wanting to be with someone I guess I just don't understand that eclipsing the life-threatening reasons that they decided it wasn't working out.
0: Yeah, I get that. It They had such beautiful speeches, Um, both their breakups. Like you said, for some reason I can't remember what the one in the alleyway was about, even though I remember it being very touching and beautifully put, but just... That first confrontation on the ice where he's like, is the land that you're fighting for the land that, like, you grew up in with this class separation? Or is it something brand new that you've never even thought of? And she's like, I don't know, and kind of has a meltdown and walks away. And that's such a heartbreaking scene to see her struggle with who she is and what she's even fighting for. And all of that kind of culminates in we don't get to decide that if if we're going to fight for Joseon, or if at least Aishin is going to fight for Joseon, then Joseon will be the deciding factor on what the new country looks like and whether there are still these stark class differences, but more than likely, even in new Joseon, if it comes about in their lifetimes, A a lady and a man born a slave or even an American man probably can't make a life together. And yeah, that feels like such a solid reason to be like, maybe let's not pursue this. Maybe you should go to Shanghai and we can both get over each other in due time and say that things were good. I just need, I'm just such a potato. I need them to write down and spell out for me why they got back together because I love it I felt it I wasn't like I don't understand like I see it they love each other but it just felt like like you said such an adult decision to be like maybe we shouldn't maybe this is for the best we have no future together let's call it here and then just to be like actually we're kind of vibing it's like oh that's
1: look at how pretty we are though Shouldn't we be together? It's like, is
0: that it? There has to be something else, but I just, I'm too dumb to see it.
1: What else is there? Yeah, it's also tricky because they, even when he decided to stay, it kind of sounded like they were going to try and just be friends who he trains her how to become a real sniper with a real scope and everything. And then Mm. literally two scenes later, they're writing love notes to each other in the apothecary. (laughs) And it just feels like a whole lot of adult decisions that they made with the intention to not obey any of their adult decisions and just kind of do what they want. (laughs) And it's hard when it's such a nuanced show that doesn't spell out everything for you. And I get it. Not all of us can be um, smart enough to understand every nuance. Maybe there was one I just didn't pick up on that was like, no, they always intended to get back together, but it, the, from what they said, it sounded like they were going to handle it like mature adults anyway, and so then they just uh-huh. they made so many adult decisions that they continually undercut, and it was like, okay, well, are y'all teenagers? Because that would make a whole lot more sense. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, it's very unclear how old Aisin is, so I guess she can have some slack. Let's hope she's not
1: a teenager, because Eugene is a full adult. Yeah, they said she's like, old for marrying age, because it took her so long, it took her fiancé so long to come home, so I'm guessing like, 20.
0: (laughs) She's a wilting flower. Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. Um, I thought the rifle scene was like, mad flirtatious. I thought that was very much like, if we're doing this, like, this is doublespeak right now. We are getting back together. That was that was my impression of the the whole, like, do you want me to check your form, though? Like, mm, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know, you're right. Maybe it was a nuance I didn't pick up on and I just wanted them to be adults. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted so
0: badly for them to be friends and make things work in a reasonable way. Yeah. And I'm over here like I don't know if he's checking her form that feels like literally flirtations that still happen today.
1: That's true. That does still happen to this day with people. I um I mean I I'm making it sound like I don't want them to be together also, I think. Now that I'm over here adamantly being like, why can't they just be broken up? I guess, like you said, I just want them <laughs> to be making adult decisions because I'm scared for them. I'm very worried about yeah. everyone.
0: It's like we've said before, we know that this show is not going to end well. It was easier to see Mei kind of fall out of the love square. And be like, clearly he likes Aisin, but probably they wouldn't work together. It's so much harder to watch Eugene be in love with her and her be in love with him. And you're like, it's not going to work, is it? I know it's not, but it makes like it looks so good together. I want them to be together. <sighs> <sighs> um, Can we talk about one more relationship that's never going to work out? Yeah, I'm ready i want so badly it's the three dudes that have made this bromance i think you even said in the last episode like that's probably the last time we'll see the three of them together because that would have made sense if it was just a couple coincidental meetings within the first few episodes but no they're dragging this out this is a real bromance at this point
1: yeah, like a bromance that, where they hate each other so much for such pretty legit reasons. Because none of them have made it a secret that they're super in love with Shin, but they all know that Shin is doing some illegal stuff and they do not know if the others are going to be the rat that gives her up. And so they hate each other for... Some pretty valid reasons. It feels like it's going to be hard for them to keep up this bromance, but also they get along so weirdly well because they have the same objectives. They just don't trust each other to accomplish them. The objectives being keep Aishin safe at all costs.
0: Right. And even like besides Aishin, they all so many so often work against each other as far as what they're individual goals and jobs are but then this show so masterfully gives them opportunities to work in the same direction as well which is why they keep coming back together like there is a scene where dong Mei is talking to eugene in a bar and he's like last week i was paid in american dollars so now i'm an american and that's why i'm (laughs) helping you and you're like dong Mei, that's such a Cool, like, unexpected character trait from someone who you see as this, like, unaligned, vigilante bad guy. And he's like, no, that lack of alignment means that I can help anyone I want at any time. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, uh, that's such a perfectly complex character. Dongmei, I'm too excited about who you are turning out to be it's it's very um confusing and my i just i'm scared all the time i'm really scared uh-huh
0: but it's such an interesting like pair with Eugene who has become such an interestingly complex character in that he's this american who's like i kind of hate josan and he's sent back knowing that If he fails at whatever missions he's sent on, he'll be framed as a jose on man. And if he succeeds, he'll be a proud American. And he's like, all I care about is America. And then he's slowly coming to terms with falling in love with Aisin and how that means a little bit falling in love with his home country. And then you've got Dong Mei next to him, who's almost similar. I don't know if he's falling in love with... Jo-san as much as just like the people there and the life that he's got there but he's definitely not as like committed to any one country as any of the other characters so he's constantly switching sides and those two together are so fascinating.
1: Yeah to watch the person who's shifting in a noticeable direction and then the person who's shifting all over the board and how they help uh-huh. each other and how they hinder each other, and where there's going to be conflict and where there's going to be camaraderie. It's amazing. It's so good.
0: It's so good. And then you throw Hui Song in, and just like the relationship with Aishin, where at first he's thrown in and you're like, Hui Song's not even a contender. I don't even know what he's doing here. He's thrown into this bromance, and you're like, They just want to kill him. He's this obnoxious, annoying, rich boy that's not going to add anything to their relationship. And suddenly he is. Like, he's adding so much to this triangle that is so odd and hard to place, where it seems like, at least for the most part, he is all out on protecting Aishin. And that's that's his place in the group. It's like, I'm the last to know things, but also just barely keeping up with all this intel. And all I care about more than any country or any man is this girl. And you're like, oh, dang. Those two are also super into the girl. This is... How did you fit in so seamlessly with this relationship?
1: Yeah, he's very charming. He's very good at doing the charm and it it does so much for the how tense those two are just together and then you throw in another component that it's not like they're relaxed around him, but it's like they can't deny that the things he says are like kinda true, like when he's like uh when he first talks about the suit and he's like, Don't worry about it, every man in, in the city will be wearing this suit by the end of next week just because I'm wearing it. And if you don't think that that's a damn good shield, then you guys are fools. And they're like, you know, we were pretty upset when we dragged you in here, but you're not wrong. (laughs) I, okay, that was the
0: only time that I've ever been confused. Like, flat out, I thought they'd explain it later. Just completely confused as to what was happening. Why did they, like, drag him into the hotel? And why was he
1: faking a limp? I think they dragged him into the hotel because they saw him in that suit and they both knew what the suit meant. And okay, so they were... That's also why they were covering him up. Like, they had his coat pulled inside out over his head or something. Uh-huh. Um, and then I think that the uh limp because they're talking about he knows that she hurt herself because they played pool and uh eugene says i thought you were looking for a man with a limp and so he decides he's going to be the man with the limp and then yeah so it's so i don't know it's one of those nuanced things
0: i think because i kept up with the him joking, almost teasing Dung May with the limp, because he does it before in a bar scene where he walks out and he's super limping. And you're like, oh my god, we song Don't poke the bear. But I think with them dragging him in, I thought it was all part of like a ruse. And they were trying to protect him. And they were all pulling like an act. I did not I think I was way too into the bromance way too early. Did not catch on that they were like, you douchebag, you are a fool.
1: He big time made a joke when they got in there too, where he was like, oh, I got here safe, thanks to you guys, and so that is misleading. But I think he was, I think it was like a joke where he was like, okay, dickheads, thanks for dragging me in, I'm safe now. Do you want a drink or something? Okay. See, I think that threw me off, me being the potato,
0: I definitely thought that he was like, cool, we all planned this together. And I was like, what was the point, though? I don't get it. (laughs) Mikael was the only one keeping up. Like, no, the other two do not like him enough to make a plan together. He's just being a jag, and they're stopping him from being a jag. You can
1: understand the flirtation that I don't understand and explain it to me. And if there's ever someone making a sarcastic joke... I got you, boo. Okay.
0: <laughs> we'll keep each other in check. We'll keep each other into the nuances of this show that just go right over our heads. Wow, well, I'm glad I asked. I was almost too embarrassed to bring it up. I was like, did they just... No, I think I was too pretentious to ask. I wasn't embarrassed. I was like, the show writers made a confusing scene, and that's not my fault that I didn't
1: understand. It's their fault. I get it. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> i blame them too pretty much constantly when i'm like i didn't i didn't understand that i must not be supposed to maybe they'll explain it later like you said i sometimes i just wait for them to explain something later and I, it never happens and i'm like okay i'll just forget about it and then uh-huh. if it comes up i'll confront it then
0: <laughs> if it comes up in the podcast we can talk about it and if it comes up in the show maybe it'll make more sense I feel like I do that a lot with the political storylines. I'm like, you'll just explain that again later, right? In, like, a dumber way? Yeah. Like, for for a baby?
1: Could you explain it? Like, a baby? But you can (laughs) wait a couple episodes if you want. But just explain it like like a baby is watching. (laughs) And then I'll get it. Thank you. Um, I just have two more notes that I really want to... Or maybe three. Three quick ones. Um... The first one, am I just an idiot that didn't know that rivers could f- like freeze solid? Because I know that like ice can float down rivers, but I thought because they were moving water that usually it was very um, uncommon for them to freeze that solid, unless maybe you were in the literal Arctic, like negative 60 degrees Fahrenheit.
0: Yeah. No, you're not the only one. I would never have thought a river could freeze solid enough for you to walk on it. Like, maybe, like, sheets here and there. Yeah, floating,
1: like, moving sheets. Uh Thank God. I thought I was an absolute moron. Because they were walking on the (laughs) river, and I just felt like that was so dumb. It's beautiful. I don't want to say it's not beautiful. It serves its purpose. But I just felt very unsafe for them.
0: Yeah, there's like a crackling sound they make at some point when Aishin is walking away. And I'm like, hey, don't do that. Don't. Because
1: I'm ready for this ice to break. <laughs> so let's not make that a, a thing. Okay. Um, The other note that I have is when they're playing billiards, they did this thing with the camera. And then I noticed it a few more times where they, will ha- they would have, like, the billiards moving and switch camera angles kind of rapidly, like, really quick. Um, And they kept the balls moving, but you could kind of tell it was different shots, but I kind of liked how they did it. It looked really... It was visually very cool that they, like, would take a shot and then, like, switch camera angles, like, two or three times while the balls were still moving. But they obviously... Had to kind of just move the balls again to get the shots, Uh but it was cool. It looked really cool. And then they did it a few more times. I can't remember any other specific parts, but I thought, oh, that's that quick camera angle switch that they do periodically. I think the other one was um, when Kyle Moore fell on the ice and Uh. they did like four like rapid different camera angle changes Mm -hmm. um, while he was drunk and saying weird things. <laughs> but yeah, I like the the camera stuff they do. Um oh, the the fight between the two women. I was so hoping that was your last note. That was my last note. It's so beautifully done. The two most beautiful women in the world get together in a dark home and have the most intense fight I've ever seen and it's amazing and yes the mask that Hina decides to wear is absolutely terrifying but it it gets taken off and it looks so good I feel like okay for one thing
0: can I say Hina you cannot walk around town in like what ten thousand dollar dresses and be like if I just put a mask on nobody will recognize me like girl no that's clearly you you could wear anything on your face and people would be like that dress that's hinakudo 100% but also <laughs> just as a whole that scene was something that i never would have expected from this show or any show ever and i think that's one of the things that this that this show does so masterfully they do so many things masterfully we could list them all forever that's why we made a whole podcast But things that are unexpected joys that you're like, I never in a million years thought that they would have a scene with Aishin with her gun and Hinakudo with a sword fighting each other in a duel. That just never would have crossed my mind.
1: Yes, a masked duel. So they don't know who the other is, but they do find out at the end, like it was just flawless in every way because it was them finding out the other's skill without knowing the identity of the other person and then when they do know it complicates both of their missions because both of them are like okay now I know first of all that there's like another woman who kicks ass so that's Uh kind of terrifying and then on top of that it's them um kind of sizing each other up for like, okay, we're here for different reasons. Like what, like, what could possibly be going on here, and how could this threaten me down the line?
0: Yeah. I think that's an interesting thing where it complicates the scene, but it also uncomplicates it because they realize that neither of them have to commit a murder on top of stealing some documents. Kind of makes it easier having this really slight trust between the two of them where they're like, it's a delicate trust for sure, but I think we can both walk away from this yes oh, so good so good, I didn't know I needed that then you see later Sheen's talking to even Gunnar Jang and she's like, nope, nothing happened that night and freaking Hina's talking to her dad and she's like um, sorry your house got robbed. Like obviously she wasn't gonna tell her dad, like, yes, Yes, 'twas I that robbed your house and there was another person there as well. But there was a cool it was neat that they that they put they showed the two of them facing outside people and being not telling anyone yeah. about the other person. Fully
1: covering both of their tracks. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so yeah can't wait to watch four more episodes and see how they're going to break me um this is going to be delightful
0: it's the beginning of the end
1: yeah do you have anything else that you want to talk about before we
0: sign off i don't think so if i got to the emperor's jacket that's all i wanted to cover <laughs> for this week's episode led with I started it. right at the top <laughs>
1: Um, awesome. Well, if we missed anything that we really should have talked about, email us at playonkpodcast at gmail.com and let us know.
0: Or leave a comment directly on the episodes on our website, playonk.com, where you can also find a link to our Patreon, a link to sign up to our newsletter, and any of our affiliate links if you're interested in those
1: yeah we're on a bunch of different streaming platforms uh pick your favorite we are probably on there and on a lot of them you can rate review and subscribe if you could toss us any one of those we'd be forever grateful
0: yeah we are on instagram and twitter on instagram we're at play on k podcast and on twitter we're at play on k and on those places you can keep up with our release schedule and any news that we come out with as well as just give us a hey
1: yeah and thanks so much for listening and we will see you next week for the next four episodes of mr sunshine okay bye okay bye